This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about salmon cakes. That's right. We came upon this episode topic because both of us like to make salmon cakes. But then in the time between us deciding to do this topic (laughs) and me sitting down to work on the agenda yesterday, I was kind of like, wait, salmon cakes? That's like oddly specific, like not fish cakes, fish sticks, no, salmon cakes. I haven't looked at what you came up with. So like, I'm I'm curious if there's going to be like a lot of interesting history about about fish cakes. Oh, no, or I got to tell you, this, in particular. this was one of the rare episode research experiences I had where I decided not to even go look at Wikipedia. Oh, interesting. OK. Yeah, I, I decided to just just use my personal knowledge. Oh, OK. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in my experience, like uh, I know we haven't even started memory lane yet, but salmon cakes, like I feel like is more more of like a term of endearment to me than a food. Oh, do you? Is it one of your is it in your repertoire of personal like terms of endearment? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, hey there, salmon cakes. It's like, uh, you know, sweetie cakes. No, but really prior to this episode, did you use it? No, <laughs> oh, okay. I just made that up. Sorry, I just ruined it. Feel, feel free to take it. No, no, it's good. Okay. I wonder why it is that certain food names become terms of endearment and other ones don't. That's a like good pumpkin. point. Because like, and it's it's not always the ones you would expect. Yeah, like pumpkin, but like, like you know, mon petit chou. I know, my like, little cabbage. Right. Brandon and I went through a period of calling each other mustard, <laughs> which now strikes me as really weird, but we were both on board for it. Weird. Why'd you break up? <laughs> <laughs> Good one, dude. Um, yeah, let's see. Do uh, do do my spouse and I have any any food nicknames for each other? I don't think so. Except to the extent that I will like turn anything into a nickname for a brief time and then move on to something else. Yeah. A brief yeah. time meaning like minutes. Oh, oh I've witnessed this. When you have yes. come to hang out with our baby, you've spun an entire like constellation of related nicknames mm-hmm. out of the ether and then you drop it like 10 minutes later. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so today's episode is salmon cakes. And I would like to start <laughs> out on like memory lane. Today's episode is brought to you by salmon cakes. <laughs> well, I'm a little sad, actually. We're taping remotely and you were going to make salmon cakes. 
Yeah. And I was going to get to eat one this morning, but now I can't. No, now, because I, now have a cold. Like, I didn't even, I, I mean, I'm glad you told me that, uh, that you had a cold before I went out and bought the stuff. Yeah, that's good. Because otherwise I would have had to eat all these salmon cakes myself. Oh, that would have been terrible. Okay, so let's kind of swap back and forth with memory lane <laughs> let's here. Let's swap I, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have my old spouse because I, I got oh, tired okay. of calling him Mustard. And, all right, um, let's, let's bring <clears throat> Mustard onto the call. <laughs> <laughs> Good okay. old mustard. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I don't, I don't remember. Think, ever... I don't think spouse swapping is like you can have my old spouse. I think it's something different. I think <laughs> but, it's something different fine. too. You know what I feel really conflicted about? Have you? <laughs> well, have you watched? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. But I can't wait to find out. Okay, but wait. Have you ever watched the the documentary on George Harrison made by Martin Scorsese? No, uh, I haven't. George I Harrison know you told me to living in the material world. I never do what I'm told. Oh, but you I would do like it. to watch I'm, it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, no, of course. Well, so in it, the filmmaker interviews Eric Clapton a number of times because Eric Clapton and George Harrison Noted were buddies. class asshole. <laughs> yep, that's right. A spousal abuser, Eric Clapton. Is that right? Probably like COVID denier, uh, racist, that, that guy. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that guy. Okay. Well, so I don't know how to feel about this. So, you know, George Harrison's first wife, Patty, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't know this. They were together for like 10 years or something. And then, uh, well, anyway, at a certain point, George Harrison, you know, mm. became really good friends with Eric Clapton. And then Eric Clapton and Patty, like, developed their own, like, love affair. And at a certain point, Eric Clapton came to George Harrison and was like, listen, man, I'm in love with your wife. And George Harrison was like, okay, take her. I mean, it, it seems like there is there is so, someone else who, who should have some say <laughs> in this transaction. I Yes. So that's how, like, Eric Clapton describes it. And I'm like, but, but, but. But and, where's Patty in all this? Does anybody want to ask Patty? <laughs> right, as we've established, Eric Clapton's such a nice guy otherwise. <laughs> so right? This is, this is surprising that that he also has a, a misogynistic way of framing this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but on the one hand, I'm like, this is, I don't know how to think about this. Like, I, I do appreciate that it does seem like Patty was in love with Eric Clapton. We're going to get to the bottom of this in this mm-hmm. episode. So Patty, you know, wanted this with Eric Clapton, right? Okay. And I, I do appreciate that George Harrison was like, okay, go forth, you two. Okay, yeah, but sure. But I fucking hate the way that Eric Clapton talks about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, of course. Like, they straight up did a wife swap. Um, it's gross. Yeah, no, like, I <laughs> really, Eric Clapton should never open his mouth. Like, okay, fair hmm, enough. Even, even to sing a song? I'm not sure. That's a tough question. You know who else is interviewed quite a bit in that documentary who should never open his mouth? And Oh, who? Phil Spector. Oh, we, uh, Laurie and Watson and I were just talking about Phil Spector. A guy who, like, literally murdered a woman. Yes! And also and, was responsible for some of the greatest songs ever recorded. Like, what do you make of this? I don't know. But seriously, every time he comes on the screen in this documentary, it does give me some pleasure. And I know this is really, like... It, immature of me but he looks so his physical like aesthetic choices are so bonkers oh he looks so not okay that i do take great pleasure in just laughing a lot every time he comes on the screen and i i I feel okay about it oh yeah but anyway yeah george harrison i mean not not a perfect man not even a a good man in some ways but wow were there a lot of like bonker pants people 
making incredible music at that time. Is this just what the 60s and early 70s, like on through the 70s, I think, were like? I think so. I think so. I mean... You know, I, I I don't mean to imply that George Harrison is a bad man, but he he did write Tax Man, which I think is a real whiny ass song. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, dude. No, you need to pay all that money wow, to the wow, British wow, government. Wow, I only have X millions left. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm a big George Harrison fan, but Tax Man is super catchy, mm-hmm. and I fucking hate the premise behind it. Yeah, totally. Okay. Anyway, this has been my Phil Spector, um, Eric Clapton little jaunt, and I'd like to talk about salmon cakes. Yes. All right. But in the in the movie, like everyone everyone is like calling each other salmon cakes, right? That's exactly right. Okay. Um, that that is in fact what Eric Clapton called Patty Harrison, and that's yeah. why she was like, "Well, I mean, sorry, sorry, George." <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm with um, Eric now. I need I need uh, I need someone who looks at me the way you look at a salmon cake. Something like that. Um, hmm. Do you have any memory, salmon cake memory lane? Or was that your salmon cake memory lane? That was my salmon cake memory lane. <laughs> no. no, but really, I don't remember having these as a child or any other kind of fish cake or patty. Like fish sticks were not in my my childhood. Yeah. What about you? Let's let's stick to childhood here. Let's stick to childhood. Okay. So uh, as <laughs> as a young whooper snapper, uh, I definitely had like like uh, you know frozen fish sticks, but salmon cakes. I didn't like salmon as a kid, which is like just another reason like why why you know like when you go on your other podcast and talk about how why I'm a bad person, that's definitely yeah. going into the mix. Um, okay. I yeah, I hated salmon as a kid. Like I do, don't think I came around to salmon until I moved to Seattle. Seattle in the mid 90s. And then I was like, Oh, okay, like, I get it. This stuff, this stuff is good. And then I think I don't think I ever had a salmon cake until the first time I made a salmon cake from the Cook's Illustrated recipe. Okay, so so I'm in a similar trajectory, except I didn't dislike salmon as a child. So as I think I've discussed on the show before, my dad was an Altoids man. Yep. No, he was the inventor of Altoids. He was an endive man. Mm-hmm. He was also a uh, occasional salmon fisherman with oh, Ed Fretwell and Bob. Let me Larson. update his Wikipedia right now. <laughs> okay. When Ed Fretwell went went fishing, did he refer to like the the lake or ocean as like the original Ed Fretwell soup? <laughs> you would you would hope so. Yeah. No. So my dad, you know, like some dads like to hang out with other dads and like not play. me. Some dads like to hang out with other dads and like play basketball. Some dads like to hang out with other dads and watch games. My dad liked to once a year get together with other dads and fly to Alaska. I'm aware of the privilege involved in this Mm -hmm. and go salmon fishing. Oh, this sounds great. Are you kidding? Yeah. Right. So he would come back home with all of this salmon that had been, you know, like flash frozen or Mm -hmm. however they quickly froze it at that time. And he would store it in our freezer. I, as a child, liked salmon. I don't think I loved it. Mm -hmm. But my parents, I think, were sort of of the the like French and Italian cooking persuasion, which was that like if you've got something that's really good to start with, like why would you add a bunch of stuff to it? Right. So we had this really good salmon. I mean, really good for people who lived in Oklahoma, right? Who probably otherwise didn't have access to salmon that was that fresh. And I remember my parents like only doing things like 
baking a big side of it or mm-hmm. smoking it or something like that. Did they ever make gravlocks? Yes. My dad uh-huh. was a, a, a gravlocks man. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a question that I don't know if you can answer, but this is a real question. Like you say he brought it back flash frozen. Like did was there like a freezing facility on the boat? Did he like go out on a boat with like other people and it was like a fishing expedition? Was it was it the deadliest catch? It was the deadliest catch. Oh, okay. Have I told you about about my love for the deadliest catch? No, I don't think so. Like Ash and I have just started watching it since the baby was born. I've never seen it. Oh my God. Ash and I literally started watching it one Saturday afternoon when we were like, we need something to watch where like if we doze off, mm-hmm. like we probably can catch back up when it's over. But if, if you doze so, off, how do you know whether the fish or the human wins on this episode? Oh, you know, like they recap it heavily after okay, okay, each good. after each little commercial. There's like break. a, there's like a, 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 what do they call the show? Like at the, an after show? Is that? Where they talk about the show, <laughs> or or is that the wrong term? I'm not sure. Do you mean okay. afterglow? Yeah. Is there an after? Like you you catch you is catch a big an fish, and then afterwards you like you lie you lie back on the deck and smoke a cigarette, and you just feel real good. <laughs> they're also not fish; they're crabs. Oh, oh okay. It's mm-hmm. it's always crabs. Yes, the deadliest catch is is crab. Okay. And like, I mean, as far there, as like I've multiple seen. seasons of this show, it sounds like a one episode thing. Premise. There are 18 seasons, Matthew, and <laughs> oh we, are, we, are, <laughs> we are still in season one and we are like eight or nine episodes in. OK, and it's it's called The Deadliest Catch because you like you pull up the crab in the crab pot and the crab like pinches you in a deadly right. manner with its deadly <laughs> sharp right. claws. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wish, Matthew, I wish the, gonna... the listener could have seen the, the crab pinching <laughs> the hand crab motion. Claws. Okay, but Matthew, I'm going to finish this sentence, okay? That remains to be seen. (laughs) Okay, but anyway, so I don't know what arrangement my dad and his friends had when they would go to Alaska, but I have to imagine that they probably contracted with some sort of Mm -hmm. outfit. Yeah. Uh, Remember what people used to call, like, companies' outfits? (laughs) Yes, and not (laughs) just Urban Outfitters. That's right. Um, Anyway, I'm sure they contracted with some sort of company that took like, you know, hobby fishermen and took them out at sea and then like froze their salmon for them. (laughs) Okay. So I don't remember ever encountering the idea of putting salmon into a cake form with like flavorings and things until I, I think it was probably when I was working at Whole Foods in college, Mm -hmm. because I remember that we sold salmon cakes, like already cooked and ready to roll in the prepared foods case at the Whole Foods in Mill Valley. This would have been yeah, the late like, 90s. Yeah, I often see them like at the fish counter at QFC, but like those are not appealing to me. Like it, no. uh, I don't know how long they've been sitting there or what's in them. And it looks like maybe they've been sitting there a while. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're totally fine. I'm sure they're not as good as homemade. Yeah. So the, the ones at, at Whole Foods were, you know, they were ready to be like, taken out of the case and either eaten cold or like microwaved or warmed up in some other way. I've also seen them at Ballard microwave. Market. That sounds bad. That does sound bad, but hold yeah. on. I've also seen them at Ballard Market in more of like a, they look a little fresher, mm-hmm. like they're intended to be warmed like over a grill or something. But all this to say, I, I never bought them or tasted them. And I remember thinking like why, especially for those of us who live in the Pacific Northwest, why would we take this product that we can get at really high quality and why would yeah. we fuck with it? So I was snobby about it and I did not understand the appeal of this until mm-hmm. Julia Tertian's book, 
Simply Julia came out. And this episode is basically dedicated to Julia Tertian. Okay. Past guest, friend of the show. Past guest, friend of the show, Julia Tertian. Because her headnote in Simply Julia made me reconsider what I thought about salmon cakes. And that is where my, that's where my relationship to salmon cakes began with this book, which came out in, I suppose I should look and remember or remind myself when this book came out. Does, uh, let me, let me see if I can guess how the head note begins. You snobby fuckwad. (laughs) That's right. Molly, you are a snobby asshole. It uses your name. (laughs) Yeah, which makes me all the more an asshole that I would that I would even make a joke that it begins with my name. Yeah. Okay, hold on now. Here's how it begins, okay? And I want to talk about this. Interestingly enough, Julia Tertian does not call her recipe salmon cakes, but the only thing she calls for in it is salmon. She doesn't give okay. an option of other fish. Question, but the recipe, what does she yeah, call it? She calls it ricotta and potato chip fish cakes. Interesting, okay. Doesn't that sound interesting? It does. So she says, an homage to the salmon patties I got to enjoy one morning at Nerobia's Grits and Gravy in Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. These fish cakes rely on canned salmon, one of the most convenient and reliable things to keep in your cupboard. And then she goes on to talk about you know, the other ingredients. Uh, instead of the typical eggs and breadcrumbs, I use a mixture of ricotta cheese, which gives you a sort of lox and cream cheese effect, and crushed potato chips, which give you a sort of fish and chips effect. Oh, this is so so different from the salmon cakes that I make. So yeah, basically, you know, the binder in these is fresh ricotta and crushed potato chips. Is there Um, egg? There is no egg. Wow. So basically, yeah, these are potato chips. And I would add that she recommends sour cream and onion flavored potato chips. Bless Oh, I love this. So smart. I know. Julia Tertian is brilliant. So uh, salmon, and and I want to talk more in a minute about the canned versus fresh. Yes, me too. But she uses uh, crushed potato chips, preferably sour cream and onion flavored, a cup of whole milk ricotta, Old Bay seasoning, Mm -hmm. lemon zest, and then that's your patty. And you cook it in butter. Wow. Okay. So this is like different from the one I make in every way. I, now I want, I wish we were together having, having like a cake off, like, cause I'm going to oh, taste, yeah. I'm going to taste these side by side. We could do um, a cake swap. We, a love, fish cake yeah. Swap. We need to have a classic cake swap. We'll put, we'll put some salmon cakes in a, in a uh, fish ball and then reach, <laughs> reach in. <laughs> like, do you think, these are getting uh, cold. <laughs> okay. Okay, Matthew. So, okay, hold on. Let's talk about so we both first encountered salmon cakes like in the actual eating them sense when we made them at home. What is it that yes. made you make salmon cakes? I mean, you can now hear why I made Julia Tertian salmon cakes first. Like why I was like, "Oh, I got to try these." What was it about the recipe you make that made you try them? I don't have a good answer for this. I think it was just that like I was on like a major Cooks Illustrated America's Test Kitchen kick 
and mm-hmm. that we were it was probably salmon season and it was like uh, and the pitch for this this recipe was like make your salmon cakes with fresh salmon like fresh raw salmon and like you know that these ones really like emphasize like the salmon flavor and put that at the uh, the top of your speed dial okay and and that there were then panko crusted which which I was really into at the time and still mm. am um mm-hmm. and so I'm like okay I'll give these a try even though they have mayonnaise in them they are really really good so I kept making them. So are they designed to be a little bit like crab cakes? And like, I think of some crab cakes being panko breaded, uh, of course, having mayonnaise in them. Do you feel yeah, like it's, me... it's meant to be like a cousin of a crab cake sort of? Yeah. Can I can I like like walk through how you make them? Because uh, like it's, it's kind of fiddly. <laughs> Really? Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want to hear. Think, it. I think uh, yours are probably simpler. First of all, you take a uh, a fresh salmon fillet. You remove the skin and bones if it's got bones, and you like chop it up like finely diced. Ooh, that sounds that sounds challenging because I find cutting through raw fish to be hard. Um, I mean, but but it's pretty tender. It's like of of all of the challenging things that I've had to face in my life, <laughs> I wouldn't put that in the top ten. Okay, well, fine. maybe the top fifteen. Fine. Just go on. You take uh, some like uh, white sandwich bread, remove the crusts and chop that up too. Then you throw in some mayo, grated onion, which always makes me cry, chopped parsley, lemon juice and salt. And you you mix that all up. You know what? I thought there was egg in mine. The egg is in the coating. There's no egg in mine either. So you you, uh, stir that up. You form it into cakes and then you put them in the freezer for 10 minutes to like dry them a little and and firm them up a little bit. And then you do a Mm -hmm. three-part breading with them. So you dip them in flour and then egg and then panko and they're like threatening to disintegrate the whole time. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. a bunch of fish chunks. This and, sounds uh, stressful. Yeah. And then and then you uh, <laughs> you pan fry them in, in like shallow oil, like just two minutes on the side. So like the salmon just cooks through. And so they're Ooh. very like moist. Oh, this is such I a different. I know some people hate that word. Such a different beast. Yeah. Oh, and yet, okay. it, and and yet it starts with you... the same beast, the mighty salmon. And how do you serve them? Just squeeze of lemon and hot sauce. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Yeah, I don't I don't like put them on a bun or like I mean like I'll serve other things with them, but like they're they're just like a main course all by themselves. Well, yeah. So this recipe that I make could not be more different in that it starts with cooked fish. Mm-hmm. I have to say, and here's where I'm still an asshole. Uh, the, the, this recipe has not redeemed me in any way. I'm still an asshole. Um, Julia hasn't have, taken you out of the head note yet. I, I, she's put me on blast. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have never made this recipe actually with canned salmon, as is called for, um, because you can so often get really good fresh salmon here that is even like a bit on sale. And yeah. so it seems to me like, like, uh, why would I get canned salmon when I can get even better salmon? Well, one thing I've done is like, you know, they, they're like um, salmon fishers at, who sell at the farmer's market um, and uh, will sell like a variety of different types of frozen salmon, mm-hmm. including down to chum salmon, which is generally considered the least preferable for like, you know, eating straight. And But it makes great salmon <laughs> cakes. Is chum uh, on the the lower fat end of the spectrum is that yes. why it's less delicious? Okay, yep. but then of course you're fixing that by adding mayonnaise and yep. deliciously crispy panko and yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so I have used, I would say that like coho of the three salmon that, that we can frequently get in grocery stores here. Of course, there's king or chinook, sockeye and coho. Yeah. You know, each sort of has its own season. I have used either sockeye if it's on sale or coho for this. And what I generally do is I buy the uh, the same amount in weight that she calls for uh, in the recipe. And then I just roast it kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, smeared with olive oil, sprinkled with salt. I roasted at 400 for like eight to 10 minutes per inch of thickness. And then it comes very easily off the skin. The bones are really easy to pick out. And then you just mash it up. Uh, in the meantime, while this has been going on, uh, or you can even do that like a day or so ahead of time, then you take your potato chips, you put them in a bag and you mash them or, you know, you crush them with a rolling pin or uh, like an ice cream scoop or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and then you mix your salmon, which you've kind of flaked with the potato chips, the ricotta, Old Bay, you grate in the zest of a lemon and you form them into cakes. And the ricotta here is holding them together. Nice. I feel like if I made a recipe where sour cream and onion potato chips were one of the ingredients, I would eat so many while cooking, like more than half the bag. Well, she calls for like a like a small, like two ounce bag is the amount you mm. use for the recipe. But we always buy like the of full course. five ounce bag so that then, you know, which I highly recommend. So then you have extra to eat while you're cooking. You then cook them in butter, uh, browning them on each side. And of course, they're already cooked all the way through, right? So you're just like looking to get color on them. And then to turn it into sort of a whole dish, what she has you do is after you've cooked the fish cakes in the skillet with butter, then you add a bag of frozen peas, some half and half and a bit of salt, and you just like warm the peas in oh. this half and half to kind of make like creamed peas. Nice. And so you serve the salmon cakes with a squeeze of lemon and either on a bed of creamed peas or next to these creamed peas. And in my household, what we usually do is we do all of that, but we also toast some burger buns. Mm -hmm. And so those of us who want to have the salmon cake on a burger bun can do that. Ash and I both like it with mayo on the bun, a squeeze of sriracha, which I think is really nice with the sour cream and onion vibe and a squeeze of lemon juice and a bit of lettuce. And that is so good. And then you can have like forkfuls of these creamy peas too. I mean, I think this is like a brilliant recipe. And what I will say is while yours sounds to me like I totally get why Cooks Illustrated would, would bill this as the one to, to make if you really want to taste the salmon, right? Yeah. At the same time, oh my God, this recipe is so simple. Yeah. Especially for the way that Ash and I are cooking or have been cooking in the past couple years. Which which is to say huge three-day project recipes. Exactly. That's what we're into. I will also say this was one of the first recipes that Ash made like on their own. And nice. Ash did not grow up cooking. So they've had to really learn how. Anyway, I just think this is a brilliant recipe and I don't know, maybe it's extravagant of me to go ahead and use fresh salmon in it, but God, it is so good. No more extravagant than me. That's true. That's true. Although I'm, um, I'm then, you know, covering mine up with sour cream and onion potato chips. And okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to try. Let's, yeah, let's recipe swap and, okay. uh, and we'll report back at some point.
This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got you can borrow appliances like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling you can borrow it no charge uh-huh so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink you can bring your pet totally you, allowed oh I love this oh I see they even have special pet items you yep. can use and they have the built-in alpha closet system nothing makes me happier <laughs> when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes mm-hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes nobody wants to see nobody, that nobody yeah so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals I am down well this is made for you then and this is town place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is the website that takes you from that thing you've always wanted to learn to learning that thing. Well, and you can learn it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. Oh, come on. Really the best in the world? Yeah. Like, remember I watched those videos with uh, with Steph Curry on, like, you know, how to have proper, like, basketball shooting form and That's stuff. That's right. You And you have been sinking so many threes <laughs> since then. It's ridiculous. I just can't stop. Um, okay. Well, I took a class with Hans Zimmer, film composer. Maybe you've heard of <laughs> movies such as The Lion King. Mm. Maybe you've heard of Gladiator, yep. The Dark Knight. Dune. He did all of those. I loved And Dune. now he's teaching me how to do it. Like, the art of making Has people feel things. This? To, to teach me? Yeah. Yeah, because because I've got a Masterclass subscription. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, Matthew, I also hear that if you want to take a class, say, from like Alice Waters or Thomas Keller or even like Yotam Orolenghi, yeah. you can get essentially what are like private lessons. Now, granted, they're they're... They're on Masterclass. Yes. But private lessons did, from right. these people. Odalenghi doesn't come to your house, That's but right. virtually he does. That's right. So Masterclass makes all of this possible, and you get unlimited access to the very world's best teachers. And you will get 15% off an annual membership right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Can you ever imagine making fish cakes of any kind with a different sort of fish? I mean, maybe not the recipe you make, but it sounds like it's designed to be served like medium rare, maybe. No, no. I mean, it's, it's like cooked cooked through, but just barely. Okay. Could I imagine making making a fish cake with another fish? Like, I have a pretty vivid imagination, as you know. And you can't. And, and you can't. No, no, I, I can. Like, I think I would need, like, a recipe would need to come to me that, that calls out and says, like, you know, try me instead of your regular salmon cake recipe. I'm something special. Right. Like a cod Cake? Like a cod, like a cod cake, or a, or a, a you know, a mackerel cake. A mackerel cake. Wow. <laughs> those, um, those are the two other fish. Okay, the only two other fish mm-hmm. in the sea. I have a question. So, do you? I forgot my other question. <laughs> I have a question, but I was oh. also just going to look at it. Oh, oh go ahead. Um, I remember my question. Matthew, do you ever order salmon cakes in restaurants now that you've sort of like broken the seal on salmon cakes? I never have. I haven't either. Can you imagine ever doing it? 
Um, <laughs> well, as you know, I have a pretty vivid imagination. So let me, oh, no. let me close my eyes and go into my mind palace here. Okay, so I'm in a restaurant and I'm, I'm looking at the menu and, uh, and right there it says salmon cakes. Yeah, I can imagine it. <laughs> I haven't done it. I probably won't, but I can, but as like, just as pure, like unadulterated fantasy. Yes. No, let's adulterate it as adulterated fantasy. Okay, great. Anything else we want to say about salmon cakes? I was going to ask like it, whether Julia Tertian's recipe is online, but I just confirmed that it is. We will link to both of these recipes and you, the listener can, can uh, duke it out with with yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. With your, um, whoever it is that you like to fish cake swap with. Exactly. Or, uh, yeah, like and whoever it's totally you... cool. I mean, fish cake swapping with yourself can be hot. Absolutely. Or yeah. or like like taking a trip to Alaska and fish cake swapping there. Yes. With with your buds, <laughs> with your bros, with your buds. Yeah. yeah. OK, well, Matthew, uh, any anything we haven't mentioned about salmon cakes this morning? No, I think I think like when when uh, archaeologists look back, they will say this is the definitive word on salmon cakes. I think so, too. OK, cool. Uh, Matthew, um, when archaeologists you know, you had- dig up our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Matthew. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you introduced a new segment called Beak of the Week. Yes. Do you have one this time I around? Do. I have a. Do we, beak wait, of the do we week. have a song for Beak of the Week? Um, mm, we should probably we should probably compose one. I'm, I'm going to be too lazy okay. to like to like put musical accompaniment with it, but uh, let's let's come up with an acapella Beak of the Week song. Okay. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, it's the beak of the week. Hey, hey, if you've got a beak, you can be on beak of the week. Beak of the week. All right. Good song. All right. (laughs) Uh, The beak of the week this week is the Eastern Great Egret, which is uh, Daisagi in Japanese and uh, Ardia Alba Modesta in Latin. It is a big white bird with a stupid long neck that stands in the water and says, look at me. I'm so awesome. Egret is a white heron. So if you know what a heron looks like, it's a bird that like stands in the water and is large. Hold on. When you saw this bird Mm -hmm. in Tokyo, presumably, uh, did you see it like catch any fish with its its stupid long neck and its beak? No, I saw the previous beak of the week. The the kingfisher catch fish. I did not see the egret catch fish, but uh, I saw okay. I saw a lot of people pointing zoom lenses at it, which is which was satisfying. Mm. And yeah. yeah, so it likes to like like talk me, about it a likes, stupid long neck. Yeah, <laughs> it likes to hang out at Zempukuji <laughs> Park in Tokyo. Uh, it's also called the uh, Kotuku in in Maori and is on the two dollar coin of New Zealand. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. And and uh, wow. unless you think you're going to have a bird next week, I think this is going to do it for the beak of the week segment. Thanks for beaking with us uh, i mean i you know i i have a little bit of an idea um but okay. I, I don't know if i put it in the agenda all right so so the beak of the week may be held over until next week we'll see maybe it may be given a stay of its execution <laughs> that's right <laughs> okay all right matthew what's our spilled mail this week our spilled mail this week comes from listener clara who writes Thank you for your show. It has made my life a bit better. When I'm folding laundry, a making bit. porridge, a bit. Yeah, that seems about right, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty of this. Yes. Okay, go on. Okay. Um, when I'm folding laundry, making porridge, highway driving, and on anxious Sunday afternoons, it turns out you're also my favorite podcast when I'm home alone after watching the horror movie of the week in the podcast Random Number Generator Horror Podcast Number 9. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, <laughs> RNGHP number nine usually makes me lose my appetite, although I love the show. Spilled milk, thankfully, has the opposite effect, so I often listen to spilled milk episodes during dinner. What are your personal comfort foods of the past and present, and for what context? Do you notice if your family members have similar comfort food tastes to you? Mm, okay. I love this question. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, okay. So in general, I would say my personal comfort foods are homemade baked goods and like mm-hmm. homemade as in made by me. Yeah. My spouse has a really different comfort food vocabulary. My spouse lives and breathes cold cereal, like okay. yeah. loves cold cereal, constant comfort food, cold cereal for my spouse. June's comfort food. Gosh, you know, I would have to ask them. I think there's probably a, a number of things they would list, but for me, homemade baked goods. And I'm thinking of things like banana breads, brownies. Yesterday I made a recipe from Allison Roman's first cookbook, her salted butter and chocolate chunk shortbreads, sure. which are kind of like the world's best chocolate chip cookie. And then I would say when they're, when it comes to like a whole meal, like a comfort meal, for me, it would be eggs in some form, particularly scrambled, maybe with a little bit of cheddar cheese, some bread and a glass of wine. Yeah, this is good stuff. Bread with, with salted butter on it. Okay, what about you, Matthew? Okay, so like I had a phase many years ago and I don't know why this happened or like why it ended not long after it began where my comfort food was pepperonata, the like, Italian pepper stew. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but, I re- but I remember this vividly. <laughs> like, and I, I would make it like, you know, like if I was sick, like, you know, if I had a cold, I would want to eat a bunch of it. If I was like, you know, sick to my stomach, it was the first thing I wanted to eat after I felt better. But uh, like, I, I don't think I've had it in over 10 years. Yes. Was there, there a particular recipe that you liked? So there was this recipe from the New York Times uh, food section called uh, Sweet and Spicy Pepper Stew, but I like which I think you would call a pepperonata, but also like, you know, I think I would just kind of improvise and like throw a bunch of bell peppers and and maybe a hot pepper and some canned tomatoes in a pot, olive oil, lots of olive oil. I would never have expected this. And like eat it, eat it with with like toasted bread. Uh, I mean, that sounds fantastic. And I would have never expected this. Yep. Don't know how it started. Ended a long time ago. So now now I would say peanut M&Ms. Like I've got some in the in the root cellar right now. And it just makes me happy knowing that they're there. And ramen, definitely. Um, but also like, uh, you know, when I was thinking about it, like rice with like a bunch of sauce on it of some kind. Like, you know, I've eaten all the stuff off the top of the donburi, but now I've got this like saucy flavor flavorful rice. That is a big one for me. And I would say Teenager Totsti, Teenager the Show December has very similar comfort foods to me. And uh, Watzel does not. And uh, she gravitates toward like the mashed potato side of the spectrum. Mm, Okay, great. I have a question. So I think of my comfort foods as being things that I can just grab. Like when I want a comfort food, I don't want to have to cook something. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm noticing that your comfort foods require cooking. Like if Watzel wants some mashed potatoes, that's the beginning of like a process to get to the comfort. That's true. But how I mean, you, I think like, how do you deal with that? It's more comforting if someone else has made this for you and like, you know, you okay. didn't have to expend any effort on it. But yeah, but like, you know, I think there for for me, like there's a there's got to be like a warming aspect, you know, if, if we're not talking about an mm. M&M. And so, so it's going to require some, some kind of, some kind of prep and some kind of love. When, when I said ramen, like I'm imagining like a, you know, a small, like ramen place in Tokyo where I can like sit at the counter 
you know, by myself or, or with uh, one favorite person and uh, the noodles are going to be like too hot to eat when they arrive. And I'm going to like, you know, start slurping anyway mm. and burn my mouth. And like the whole place has like, you know, a nice, a nice bustle to it. God, can you imagine like being able to just walk out of your house at any time and just get some sort of delicious hot noodle. Like maybe you can do that in the part of the city that you live in. Yeah, there's like Dom, Dumbo like, is, is one of the best ramen places in town. It's like, you know, 10 minute walk from me. But it's probably open like conventional, like American restaurant hours, right? It's probably not open the more like night owly hours that parts of Tokyo would be. Yeah, open. I think it's probably open to like 11 p.m. would be my guess. Okay. I also remember you talking about, you know, like breakfast udon, is it? Breakfast udon yes. at like an udon stand. Like, oh, absolutely. That's what I'm thinking about. Like like the ability to get some sort of comforting hot noodle at any time of day. Do you know what I mean? Like we can't I do, do know that what you mean. in most American cities that I'm thinking of. That's true. You can, uh, I mean, you could like make a pretty good instant ramen. That's that, true. There's something like, especially like, you know, the, when we did like the frozen ones are very good. I know it's I know it's not the same as being able to go up to a place and and like have someone else do it for you and maybe like mm-hmm. like drop a like crispy tempura kakiage cake on top. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh wow. Okay, this was a fantastic question. Thank you so much listener Clara. Yeah. And Molly, I have a question for you. Hey, what you snacking? You got to tell me what you're snacking. Or I'll release the Kraken. So what you snacking? What you snacking? Oh, okay. So uh, let's see here. At the time that this episode airs, we're probably going to be coming to the end of citrus season. But I'm going to talk about citrus season anyway, which is upon us right now and has been for some time. There are so many good kinds of mandarins out there these days. And not every grocery store has an incredible supply, uh, a, a variety of mandarins. But this season, I have encountered a new one, new to me, called the TDE Mandarin. Top Dog Entertainment? I don't know what it stands for. Wow, TDE, interesting. But I'm- it's delicious, seedless, perfectly bright, perfectly sweet, not too terribly difficult to peel. I feel like there's a real sweet spot for me in eating uh, like small citrus fruits. I want them to be seedless. Mm -hmm. I want them to be relatively easy to peel. And yeah, I don't want them to err too far on the side of sweetness. I want to still have a lot of like uh, a, a bit of sourness. Yeah. Are you ready to to learn why they're called TDE mandarins? I am. Yeah. So they're sometimes called triple cross mandarins and TDE, which is which is a combination of the first letter of each of the fruit's parent cultivars, which are temple tangors, donsi or dancy mandarins and encore mandarins. So temple, donsi, encore, TDE. Wow. Okay. Well, it's a really good triple cross and yeah. uh, and I'm into it. So that's what I'm snacking right now. I mean, in addition to all my comfort food items. Have you ever I'm had a triple cross? TDE mandarin. Um, have you ever had? <laughs> a um, hot cr- hot cross bun? Oh, like a, like a hot cross buns? Oh, yes. It's almost hot cross bun season. Yeah, yeah, like Easter, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> Ma- Matthew, what's your snacking? Okay, I am snacking uh, Kit Kat uh, Mugi no Megumi no Zenryu Fun Biscetto. Let's just leave it at that. Perfect. Sounds good. 
Uh, it's a Japanese Kit Kat. I have seen them at Awajimaya, so I think they are they are going to be available where you get your Japanese Kit Kats outside of Japan. And it is, I was going to say call it a white chocolate coated Kit Kat, but I think actually like if it is a white chocolate coating, it is flavored with whole wheat flour, like really toasty whole wheat flour. The coating is, and then inside it's like a whole wheat crack, like a very like light and crispy whole wheat cracker. So it's not mm. very sweet. It's got tons of whole grain flavor. I mean, they put whole wheat in the coating and in the in the cookie. So it's it's good for you and you should eat it for breakfast. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can't wait to try them. I, I have no idea what you would call this. Like, I guess, like whole wheat biscuit Kit Kat in English. How would, so is it written in English on the label? So Matthew, like some of the things that you are snacking Mm-hmm. historically. If I were to go looking <laughs> for them at Uwajamaya, I would not be able to find them because I can't read kanji. Okay, let's let's post a photo in the show notes. I think we can do that. Okay, because I would like to be able to purchase these, but I know that unless I go to the store with you, it's going to be hopeless. So thank you for helping yeah, us we, with a You photo. can find these. We'll, we'll figure, I'll we'll post a link to where you can order them online or just a picture of the package. Okay. Really okay. tasty. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been a real real a real show (laughs) (laughs) this has been a real show produced by a real producer named abby circatella that's right and you can rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts and you can uh, hang out with other people uh, who listen to spilled milk at everything if you go over there now people will be saying that was a real show spilled milk is a real (laughs) podcast (laughs) <laughs> Molly and Matthew are real people. <laughs> real people. Um, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. The uh, the show that, uh, I mean, obviously something about how, how it makes your life a little bit better, but I don't want to just repeat what listener Clara said. But isn't it like a real honor to get to make the closing joke? I mean, maybe listener Clara would be thrilled and... And oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so we're turning the, the closing joke responsibility over to listener Clara. Okay, listener Clara, take it away. The show that needs to be put in the freezer for 10 minutes to firm up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I'm Molly Weisenberg. Hold on, I'm not done. Okay. Abby, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is a three-day-old biscuit I've revived in the toaster. Oh, and today's and today's topic is three-day-old biscuits, <laughs> like a like a three-day-old like 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 fluffy or flaky biscuit, not like an English cookie. Okay, yeah, that sounds pretty sad. A buttermilk drop biscuit. I don't even but, want you know, a one-day-old biscuit. I think June would agree with you. June made these biscuits on yeah. Saturday morning. When anyway, you're filling out I mean, a form and it no, says D-O-B, that stands for day-old biscuit, right? Day-old biscuit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if there's like a number before it, it's the number of days old. Number of days is. old. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that anything that you say that involves a biscuit sounds like a euphemism? Like a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biscuit? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like oh, it could God. be a euphemism for like a variety of different things. I got to turn the heat down. It's getting hot in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take off all my clothes. Like the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's hot in here. Yeah. Shall we do this? Yes. God, Abby, isn't this episode great? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.